Uh, welcome to Footnotes of History, the podcast that will always stop to set the rules before scrambling for your attention. With you, as always, are myself, Tim Philpott, and the king of the carving knife, <laughs> Daniel Nesbitt. <laughs> Hello, Tim. Hello, Dan. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Uh, yeah, well, doing, speaking like this. <laughs> doing really well. I don't know. I think, I think we sort of... Um, it's always a bit weird, weird to start the episode, isn't it? Yeah. But never mind. Um, so what, what, are we, um, what are we doing today? Yeah, so today we're kind of... Well, we are talking about the next Berlin conference. So yeah. you know, our last couple of episodes before our excursion up the Arctic... Um, was were about the Congress of Berlin, which was the kind of carve up rule setting and drawing of borders in the Balkans. Yeah, and uh, we found like a little footnote at the end of that, which is about France being given the go ahead to basically annex bits of Morocco. Yeah, and this kicking off was known as the scramble for Africa. Yeah, and so we got to be interested in that, and then found out there was another Berlin conference. Yeah. Um, in 1884 um, and 1885, yeah. um, that kind of then sort of dictated where the borders were drawn and who got what bit of Africa. Yeah. So we thought we'd come back and do a bit about that. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, so, it, yeah, so, so coming up the Balkans mm-hmm. and now coming up Africa. Yeah. And so this, we're going to do a similar sort of approach in that this episode is going to be all about the context, you know, yes. what were the Europeans doing in Africa, yeah. you know, why was the Congress conference necessary, yeah. you know, what happened. So we're going to, to, to be honest, I think it's probably what the, what the Europeans weren't doing. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, some of the, some of the things, uh, honestly, like, you know, like I was saying to you before, you know, when people are sort of going about imperialism, this is it, really. Yeah, it? This, it's is the like, worst, this is the worst, the worst, probably, this is period of history, yeah. possibly ever. Um uh, yeah. So, but 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 you know, in the context, well, I mean, yeah. I I mean, I mean, sort of in two minds because obviously on on the one hand, obviously, yeah, that. But also, in the context of the time, this is this is it's part what, of the course. Really. This is what people do. This is yeah. what powers are doing. Yeah, it's that classic thing of you know, when you have a powerful the right of jurisdiction is like a yeah. thing basically. Yeah, it goes back all the way to like you know, that's called the Melian dialogue. The Melian dialogue is like in the yeah. Peloponnesian War in ancient. Greece, yeah, because I think it was Sparta was so powerful, it just bulldozed an Athenian yeah. uh, and a neutral power. It's that classic thing of you know, if you are a powerful state, yeah. you can basically do what you want. Yeah, well, that's, uh, yeah, it's, it's the sort of might makes right yeah. idea of history, isn't it? And well, this is all I think. What I'm interested in, which I think we'll go on to in a minute, um, is is particularly why this kicked off now. Mm. But, um, yeah, and I think yeah, so I think we're definitely on to that. But I think just to give you an idea of what we're doing in the episode, obviously we're going to talk a little bit about. Africa yeah. before the 19th century, what the Europeans were doing there, how they went about their business before they started literally taking it. <laughs> yeah. um, then we're going to talk a little about, I'll give you two kind of case studies um, as to kind of how the Europeans conducted themselves pre-conference, mm. um, which are the Congo and Egypt, and kind of they helped kind of accelerate the need for a conference in many yes. ways. And then we'll talk about the immediate kind of run up to the conference, why it was necessary, yeah. how it came about, who was there kind of yeah. thing. Um, or why people felt like it was necessary. yeah exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Why, yeah yeah I mean I've read I've read conflicting accounts about whether it actually made any difference whatsoever but mm. um, uh, yeah there were at least was a pretense of yeah uh, I don't know yeah anyway let's uh, let's let's yeah. dive in let's dive in. yeah so I think that's the best way the only way to understand it is to actually skip the details yeah. yeah so yeah I think um, so Europeans as we'd kind of recognise them from you know, obviously we've had Roman Carthage wars obviously Europeans were involved then. In Africa, but from the year 1000-ish, um, there were merchants kind of in little enclaves around North Africa, usually from the Italian states, mm. people place like Genoa, that type of thing, you know, the tra- yeah. training bases the for raw materials. Yeah. Um, and then kind of like progressively from the year 1000 onwards, you start getting different countries 
getting involved and they kind of trace as an empire rises almost they get and you know as power happens mm. they kind of as we we're saying get more interested so you have like places like portugal going into morocco in the 1400s yeah. um spain likewise france from the early 1500s mm. and then under places people like louis the 14th in the 1600s going mm. in and under the guise of disrupting pirates and kind of grabbing land destroying bases and that type of stuff yeah england um england and then later britain came a bit later so they're actually under charles the second so mid 1600s, yeah. his wife Catherine of Braganza was Portuguese, and as part of her dowry, she gave brought the town of Tangier yeah. um, to the British, which was kind of just like an albatross around their neck because they. Couldn't. And it's kind of point. Yeah, this is this is the thing, isn't it? Because I, I think this is a fundamental sort of economic point about many of these places is that they're not really very helpful. No. Yeah, and Tangier definitely is kind of like that. that. Yeah. So like, they couldn't really hold it. They couldn't go outside the city yeah. because they were just getting annihilated by rebels. Well, rebels, people actually own the land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it, weirdly enough. John Churchill, later Duke of Marlborough, there's a theory that he may have actually been stationed there for a while, really? um, but no one can actually 100% prove it. But there's <laughs> there's he was definitely in the area, in the Mediterranean, yeah. uh, attached to a guy he who might have definitely was in. there, so he had popped in. Yeah. The other thing that Catherine of Braganza, I should mention, given what we're drinking now, yeah. she brought to England also tea. Oh, nice. Um, so she was one of the yeah. first like veteran tea drinkers to come to England. Apparently she came to court and was very disappointed they didn't have tea because they could only really offer her beer as like a drink. Because <laughs> <laughs> obviously water wasn't a drunk thing because yes, it was yeah, too yeah. dangerous. But yeah, so she was very difficult to drink water. Yeah, so that was kind of the pattern in up until the sort of 19th century. Yeah. They kind of, Europeans hugged the coast and then extracted what they could out of Africa. Yeah. So the two big things we kind of keep coming back to are big, ivory yeah. and slaves in yeah. many ways. So yeah, yeah obviously you had you know, ivory can make luxury goods and then slaves obviously you get them to work for stuff. Yeah, so yeah. it's kind of like they would build these trading posts and the enclaves around the areas and then trade with locals. Yeah. Um, they never went, I think I think the, the fundamental point is that nobody ever went into the interior of Africa. Yeah. I think you kind of lack the resources and the knowledge to actually get in. And then also uh, when you say remuneration resources, I think also the, you know, the diseases are so yes. kind of like exotic, I suppose mm. for Europeans that you just we're basically just die. There. It's yeah. like I mean, like when you, um, I mean, until until basically the First World War, um, I think most deaths during war in other countries mm. were actually from the disease. disease. Yeah, and yeah. and this is sort of like this is a classic kind of case, and mm. it's like the reason why Europeans couldn't do this any earlier was because uh, because disease just meant that everybody would be killed. Yeah, and I think they also there was also that thing of like, what's the point in many ways? And yeah, like yeah, they, yeah. You could see stuff coming to them, and I think. You know, yeah. In, and, yeah, in, in the pre-industrial kind of age, you know, yeah. they're getting what they need. They don't yeah. really need to feed huge amounts of industry yeah. going forward. They're getting what they want out of it. Yeah, and I think also, and also there's, there's another point as well in there is that, that because it, during the slave trade, it would be other Africans mm. who are selling Africans. So it's kind of like Completely, yeah. they're sort of doing their work for them, so yeah. they don't need to go in. Um, yeah, they need to go and grab them. Yeah. Their slaves are brought to them by yeah, exactly. whichever kind of ruler wins the, the battle exactly. and then exactly. enslaves the population and whips them out. Um, but yeah, kind of like... It's interesting because I think, you know, as the sort of 19th century wears on, you kind of get the big explorers starting to, you know, make the journeys into the interior, yeah. mapping bits and pieces, making contact with, with uh, ethnic groups in there, yeah. um, and, you know, understanding what actually is within the interior. So yes. actually bringing back news, actually, you know, there's actually quite a lot more resources in there. So, you yeah. know, gold, of course, yeah. classic, all the rub- you know, rubber and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So you have people like you know Livingston, yeah. um, Stanley, who will come on to later. Yeah. Um, Stanley, Burton. Yeah. Um, with like all these people going yes. and mapping big waterways like the Nile. And yeah. Actually, like into the Congo Basin. Yes. Someone will come to that again. Yeah. And, you know, they kind of also kind of can imagine the explorers also sort of capture the, you know, imagination. Imagination. Like we went. Definitely. Yeah. Like yeah. With the, the Arctic and Antarctic yeah. explorers, they were kind of like 
the big celebs of the day, yeah. you know, coming back and showing off their wares. And you know, this is what we yeah. found. I found this, these Africans in Africa yeah. you know, <laughs> and stuff like that. And then, yeah. like, we but we up. also found these. Uh, well, this is this these, is yeah. This is the new map of the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We've filled uh, in this bit. Here, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've named Lake Victoria after us. Yeah, fun, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that, I think that was happening kind of like Victoria would retweet that and then that yeah. would just become a massive thing. Yeah. Um, the other thing as well is that the uh, gradual industrial progress that uh, Britain is making and other European nations are making makes it much more... Like, like, like we were discussing in the Arctic, uh, you know, the ship was sort of... Although, you know, obviously the Franklin expedition, mm. um, we would have to listen to the episode to find out what happened to that one. But um, they had a, a sort of state-of-the-art ship for the time. Yeah. Um, you know, all of these explorers would have the newest medical, te- you know, medical uh, knowledge and technology and whatever to keep them going and then mm. get further than they would have done. Yeah. You know, say in the sixteenth century or the or, the, or earlier than that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I think that's an important point to to, to have there. Yeah. To, to point out. See, it's kind of those twin things of you know. Yeah. One, well, actually, more than twin, really, but it's like one, the the explorers are finding yeah. the opportunities in there. Two. The nations are kind of they're industrializing, so they need more stuff and yeah. want more stuff. Yeah, I think also, yeah, that's an important point because the demand potentially for, for things like coal or rubber or whatever, but mm. people will be like, you know, what, what, what is all this? this is all, yeah, like, do. What do we need this for? Yeah, before factories, so, it's like, well, we don't yeah. really need all this, like a huge mound of coal to, to like, yeah. eat our home kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like, yeah, and so like, kind of as, the, as, the, yeah, as, as hunger for it grows, and yeah. equally alongside it, you've got this, again, similar to the Franklin expedition and that, that Antarctic Arctic exploration, you've got that national pride element mm. in terms of we want to be the first there. Uh, we want to be the people yeah. expanding our territory at the expense of others and yeah. you know, putting our flags in the ground, that type of thing. Yeah. And, you know, I think uh, it's just, yeah, I mean, it's just an interesting time because yeah. you know, the, the interest growing in it and also literally interest in the resources there yeah. to do it. So I mean, there's, a couple of, there's a couple of things as well which I wanted to just sort of mention in this mm-hmm. bit this is first of all like you said the political element is is really interesting because clearly um clearly europe is sort of like full like there's quite a lot of great powers now in europe mm-hmm. and they're sort of because of germany's um germany's sort of demonstrated that it is kind of the, the king of europe in some ways um it has managed but bismarck has managed to sort of weld everybody together in this sort of uneasy kind of peace scenario thanks to presumably the first Berlin Congress, mm. um, there's not, there's not really, they're sort of like, there's that, there's another, that's, that's, that's an additional sort of geopolitical dimension yeah. to empire in the sense that it's, now you're competing, not, not on the home grounds, but you're sort of competing on the other away grounds for, mm. for political sort of, yeah, or I suppose nationalist glory or yeah. national glory. Where is that kind of thing? Also, like you know, if you're competing away from your home territory. It doesn't really matter as much because yeah. you know, like in in I think that's the classic one of um, in the film The Patriot um, about the American War of Independence. The way yeah. you know, at the very start, Mel Gibson's advocating not fighting because it's not going to be fought on a foreign battlefield. We fought like right here, kind of yeah. thing, in our homes. So yeah. you're asking a population to back a war or something, literally yeah. where they live, they're going to yeah. be less ex- less excited about it. Whereas if it happens you know, in a far off distant land, there's kind of a romanticism to it yeah. in many ways, because yeah. you know, they're going off in this exotic land, fighting exotic people, Conquering. and yeah, and they're winning Soldier. as well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fighting, fighting, yeah. And then there's a strategic aspect in the sense that you're sort of capturing supply bases, mm-hmm. military bases, strategic military positions, and for Britain, and f- and for, for various other, other um, uh, sort of existing empires, they're sort of are able to build a sort of uh, buffer zone around their strategic places like mm. India and the Cape um, Cape Colony. Yeah. Um, 
I think it was also that thing you may be coming on to actually, yeah. but um, it was that classic thing of they were on one hand built like starting to grow out a big market for themselves in terms of ah uh, yeah this yeah um, yeah sorry yeah. you going to uh, I was but yeah. but go on no, no I was just saying that that was maybe another yeah. um, thing as the industry grow yeah. grew they could get a, like a almost a captive market yeah. to force their goods into but also yes. bring the resources back to actually make the goods in some for way cheaper, so, yeah. exactly yeah. yeah well this is interesting because you got a couple of a couple of things I read are. Uh, intertwined, but also a little bit confused. So you got mm. the so you, from eighteen seventy three to about eighteen ninety six, I think it is, is called the Long Depression. It's called the Long Depression because economically, if you look at all the statistics, you have gradually falling prices across all aspects of sort of life. Um, and this is because, well, we saw in the Corn Laws episode with Robert Peel, you know, tariffs are being cut. America is now back in the game after mm. the Civil War, starting to export. A lot of other countries have industrialised. Germany, for instance, is kicking out loads of sugar, yeah. inexplicably. Um, the German sugar barons. Exactly, yeah, the German sugar barons. Sugar Kaisers. Tate um, managed to fend off single-handedly. <laughs> um, episode 25. And um, you, so, 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 so although, although it's called the Long Depression, it's not really a depression. It's not, it's not no, like the Great like, Depression. You don't see massive unemployment. It's just you see rising living standards, yeah, it's right? It's a byproduct of... Industrialization exactly. in terms of where you're of capitalism, more, more, yeah. more of everything coming round. So, the, but, but ironically, what you're seeing here is the gradual, it's a bit like the Jap- uh, Japanese samurai actually in mm. Japan, is that you see a gradual disintegration of the class superiority of the landlords and the aristocrats because mm. what, they, what they've been holding on to for generations, i.e., their land and the monopolies on they have on, that they have on farming and stuff, are sort of gradually disintegrating because the, because the prices are falling. Um, which, on the one hand, makes everybody richer, but on the other hand, makes the landlords yeah. and the established makes what they have cheaper. Yeah. But you know, um, yeah, worth, worth, worth less. Yeah, the worth has shifted from exactly land yeah. to having something that actually makes. Stuff. Yeah, exa- exactly, exactly to productivity yeah. rather than monopoly. And it's all that sort of old money versus new money, isn't it? It is, thing. yeah, and uh, sort of the je- you know the jealousy is inherent in that. Mm. But obviously, those people are also politically connected, so they are they're sort of the the ones who are what they call the gentleman capitalists who are uh, very keen on colonial expansion and imperialism because it means that they can as you say either create a market abroad which to which they can sell their produce to uh, or they can get resources for a lot cheaper than they would have to make them at home mm. and outcompete their uh, slightly more productive i suppose uh, you know you know entrepreneur like you know henry tate henry tates versus yeah. the um sort of like in our in our Black Forty Seven episode, the Jim Broadbent character. Exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. This sort of Irish, yeah, yeah. the sort of absentee landlord yeah. type person, yeah. So it's it's sort of almost like the revenge of the landlords. This one, I think, maybe. Um, so so it's it's interesting. So it's kind of so a lot of people try to sort of associate imperialism with free trade, mm-hmm. but it's very. I mean, it's it's sort of a problem of definition. Yeah. Because obviously trade isn't free if you're sort of killing people for it and taking them over and enslaving them. So so I don't know. I mean, I just wanted to sort of put that out there because it's an interesting distinction between what you would call um first of all the, the the distinction between a great depression and actual economic growth for for, for living standards uh, but also a distinction between entrepreneurial what you might say activity versus imperial rent-seeking activity which mm-hmm. is sort of an interesting area um but yeah i mean it's not it, it's, it's difficult to say you can't say, for instance, that the average working man was really keen on imperialism. No, I think it was that. But in France, for instance, they they sort of 
they got behind it because it was like this idea of like nationalism and well, is that, is that national pride? Yeah, it? it wasn't that they're like oh, they weren't actually like, benefiting. Even all the money's coming our way. Yeah, because you know, as you say, they will be so yeah. far down that they're, they're yeah, way, the they, chain. Yeah. yeah, exactly. They yeah. there's not really that huge trickle down for them because yeah. you know they might get better like goods yeah. perhaps that they could more exotic goods or well, it's, more it, more entertainment maybe. Yeah, it's it, not exactly gonna massively increase impact. their wages or. I, I think you know in some ways you could say it's actually worse for them because. If you're bringing in a whole load of cheap stuff, which ruins you know, yes, productive if, businesses, yeah, if, you're, if you're yeah, you're if you take because you, you, you're because you, yeah. you're using because you're using so you're using the state or the army, uh, so you're using sort of taxpayers' resources. <laughs> this is getting really political now, but whatever. So you're using all those resources. Thing as the government, yeah. So you're using all those resources, which are sort of so you know collective resources supposed to be for for. For whatever you know, for for welfare purposes or whatever you want to call it, and then going abroad, invading another country, and then extracting resources from there, and then giving it to you know using those for 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 the, for these gentlemen capitalists to outcompete. Your yeah, exactly. <laughs> to outcompete the people who are mm. are giving them the resources in the first place. It's all it's all a bit random. And I can I can see how it could be quite actually negative yeah. for the. Home I country. think it's, it's that classic balance that probably benefits only strongly benefits only a certain yes. group of people. Yeah, but actually. They can make it make people, other people feel like it benefits yes. them yeah, yeah. by the you know the pumping out of you know basically propaganda like yeah. saying you know, yeah. this great exhibition yeah. kind of thing. Exactly. We've got people from all our provinces coming around and look at all the you know the sun never sets yeah. in the empire kind of thing. And, <laughs> you know we'll have you know this is you know here's some big periodical works about all our you know our boys off in the Sudan slaughtering yeah. all these people and you know expanding our borders and so yeah, yeah. yeah. people get into that. Yeah, um, kind of forgetting actually it's not. Yeah. 100% I think really yeah, benefiting them in, yeah. in physical terms and it's more like a mentality thing yeah, yeah I think so yeah. or, 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 the, or the fact that the, the, the sort of decrease the, uh, the, the damage that's done shall we say mm. is so small and so spread yes but it's not like a spread out you yeah. can see it maybe but yeah yeah but show, so we've yeah. done that. We've done that bit of sort of you know shown you know, Africans are in, yeah. where Europeans first now, came into Africa yeah. yeah so yeah the Europeans first came into Africa da, 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 done that we've shown sort of why in yeah. a bit they started changing and why they started being more aggressive and assertive and yes. grabbing bits of Africa. Yeah. Um, and then also, you know, so now I think we're probably best time to move on to our kind of case studies in some ways. Uh, yeah. Congo and Egypt. So I think we'll start off with Congo. Yeah. That's okay with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah certainly. Yeah, 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 so I think is the Congo one is one of my favourite bits actually because it's got well, two quite fascinating characters at its heart. It's just utterly, it's, it's horrific. It's, 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 zany, it's zany, but yeah. in a really, yeah. 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 It's, it's kind of, yeah. It's, yeah. It's like hell on earth basically, <laughs> by the end of it. Actually. It's the heart of dance. It literally. is literally. I think it's like, it's like imperialism at its extreme. It's like yeah. everything that is bad about imperialism is in this episode, but yeah. it's specifically in the Congo by the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, it's a microcosm, like, yeah. Of... Yeah, if you want a bad example of imperialism, yeah. I mean, there aren't any good, many good ones, <laughs> but if you want a particularly bad one, it's the Congo, I yes. think. Yeah. And so, you might know, obviously, most people know that you know, it was kind of ruled. It's called the Belgian Congo by the end of things because it was ruled by Belgium, and more specifically, it was the basic personal fiefdom of. Leopold II, mm. king of the Belgians, um, and so in Leopold, he's he's just one of those. He's interesting chap. In the sort of late late part of the eighteen hundreds, sort of eighteen sixties, seventies onwards, he started getting a bit annoyed because Belgium didn't really have yeah you know, a, you know, big massive state, empire. Massive yeah. empire. Who'd have thought yeah. it? A country, yeah. a country that was formed in eighteen thirty <laughs> doesn't have an empire. Until eighteen sixty, like, yeah, who and like before eighteen thirty, got basically punched around by all the other, yeah. other powers around there. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't have a empire. Yeah. And so he kind of got a bit jealous, and you know, he wanted an empire. And he kind of focused in on the, the Congo Basin, which was um, had, had become kind of like 
sort of the big in- interest in mm. some ways by this time because it was one of the big unexplored regions mm. up to this point and it had been kind of popularised by the explorations of... Um... Sorry. <laughs> Tim's not going to the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that was Tim attempting to pour some tea, but yeah, it was very dry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, which one we've, so, we've exploited it dry. Um, and so, yeah, he's intrigued by the, the Congo River Basin as mm. everybody else was at the time, partially through the kind of exploits of one... of one man in particular, which was Henry Morton Stanley, mm. who obviously, I think everyone in the modern age, if you say that name, will probably think of you know, Dr. Livingston, I presume. He was the guy who tracked down uh, Livingston um, in the interior of Africa. Mm. He was a bit of a rogue, to be honest. Um, like, and he was Welsh originally, and then he went to the American... He was, I think he participated in both sides of the American Civil War. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. Read, he gets really, up out of it. He does, and he went to the Middle East for a bit, I think, around Turkey, for a, yeah. an abortive expedition that ended really badly. Um, um, and then... Um, he obviously he's a journalist so he kind of came up with his wheeze to basically go to Africa and track down Livingston yeah. for an American newspaper tracked him down and then thought you know what exploring's pretty cool I'll, yeah you know go down try to my the, hand yeah there. try my hand at that and so he went down he went, I think he, he tried to explore the Congo River Basin and failed once and then he eventually found kind of travelled through the Congo to its source and discovered the source of it and you know to the sea that type of thing yeah it's very heart uh, of darkness, isn't it? Yeah, literally, yeah, literally heart of darkness. Yeah. And um, he he tried after he came back from his, I think... Before I think the darkness, he, but yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. I, think he, I think after his um, his successful one, he went back to Britain and said, you know, let's, you know, let's get a new mission down there. And yeah. like, well, I don't really want to. Yeah. Uh, so, no, the government didn't back him. Yeah. Uh, but then Leopold... Well, do you know what date this was? Uh, I'm just trying to see if I can work out who the Prime Minister is, but it doesn't... So it was around, it was, it was sort of the way... 1870s, 1876 okay. was okay. when the sort of Leopold's big sort of move into the Congo started. Okay. So it was around sort of mid, early 1870s ish. That's okay. um, so, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, then obviously um, Leopold was like, ah, an yeah. explorer going spare. And so yeah. he he saw um, he saw um, Stanley as kind of like a way, a, a man to go in um, and start basically under the radar. Uh, making cutting deals to get Belgian influence in the region, mm-hmm. and so he kind of uh, that was one strand of it. And the other strand was basically host a big a couple of conferences in Brussels mm. to give himself the veneer of acceptability. So he invited all these geographers and explorers, mm. scientists to this big conference, um, and he said, "Oh, my interest in civilizing the region and making sure that civilizing yeah. basically, yeah, yeah, um, the uh, yeah improving the lives of the indigenous people and stuff yeah. like that." Yeah. Oh, that sounds like a pretty sound guy. Yeah. Um, and then he started. Um, like basically creating all these front groups and like shell companies yeah. um, so he, he created the the International African Association which was kind of again to put across the idea that he was being a nice guy yeah, yeah. Um, and then the International Association of the Congo this is again 1876 1879 was the uh, association again yeah. to, to one mask his involvement in it but also yeah. to put across the view that it was actually kind of a humanitarian yeah. kind of way uh, or paternalistic if anything what, but, what I'm trying to understand is yeah. like why, why, why was he so, so basically, although it would eventually it would eventually become his personal property, mm. supposedly. Um, what, what does that? What, I, I don't understand why he went to all this trouble. Do you think that's why he went to all this trouble? I don't really well, understand think, what what would I be. I think what he was in because that because that would be because that would you know I mean obviously we're looking at this from the context of the modern day thinking mm. this is outrageous, and that presumably is even more outrageous. I, don't I think really know so. what, I think what I think the distinction it was. I think yeah. he, I think partially he was just trying to. I think he also wanted it for it. He wanted control of it, so yeah. like half as much as he could from it. But I think yeah. he was also desperate trying to mask the fact that he was going to control it. Yeah. Um, and then 
because as we'll see, he kind of like obfuscated and threw out all these different reasons to everyone around him. So he's almost like, because this race has started for resources yeah. in, in Africa, yeah. I think he's got the Portuguese to his south, yeah. roughly, yeah. French yeah, to his yeah. north, yeah. Uh, who are both have casting their own kind of acquisitive eyes on it. Yeah. He's got the one guy who as fully knows the, re- or knows the region as much as possible yeah. in Stanley yeah. to go around and kind of, um, to kind of lay claim to it. So yeah. I think, you know, part of the re- I think it's probably less acceptable to countries to have like one guy in charge of yeah, like, yeah, in yeah. charge of it yeah, um, yeah, yeah, in some yeah. ways. Um, it, it's it a country. Is, it is yeah. a weird one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like if it's like a national endeavor, it's mm. like a bigger deal. It, uh, yeah, it's, an, uh, it's obviously an insight that we don't. Well, an insight that we don't have yeah. from the modern. modern but he, yeah. well, what's interesting about this, by the way, just just quick mm. comment, is that how much he's like. It, what, I'm, what I'm trying to understand is sort of a, the, the limits of what was acceptable at the yeah. time. Do you know what I mean? Like, for instance, obviously, he has had to convince everybody this is a humanitarian expedition before he can start doing this. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, it's not like everybody's like, oh, yeah, yeah, let's go. You know, let's... Yeah. You know, Pitchously take it away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's just carve up the country. It's like, mm. that's not really... You know, that's not what everyone was... Clearly not what everyone was about. Yeah, well, I think, they, yeah. I think yeah, or at least they, they in their own minds, they convinced themselves they weren't yeah. about that. that, that yeah. It was the end product of, like... It's not like we can't blatantly do this. Yeah. It's interesting, the veneer of mm. respectability that Leopold is trying to bring to it. Yeah, yeah. and then, so you have that... And then on the ground, you had, obviously, Stanley going around. He's talking to the, the sort of chieftains of the region, yes. and the rulers of the region. By 1884, he signed agreements with around 450 of them. Yes. Which um, were kind of... They were treaties, but as those kind of... Uh, people at the time basically said they weren't really treaties for the local rulers. They're treaties for later on down the line when um, when the Belgians and Leopold showed their hand. And yeah. basically they would then say, oh, look, we've got an actual stake in the region. Yeah. This is ours, basically. So there's kind yeah. of like as a way of putting down markers as yeah. to say this is actually our land in the future. It wasn't actually anything to do with um, cutting a deal with the local yeah. rulers. It was all about being able to later on down the line say this is actually, we actually have a claim on this land. To whether the European powers, powers, yeah. powers potentially wanted it or when the big moment came. Yeah. Despite, obviously, the fact that this is horrific, ends, ends in, hor- ends in yeah. complete the horror, the horror, literally. Mm. Um, uh, it, 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 ironically, this is actually kind of slightly more legitimate way of actually getting land, isn't it? Yeah, I think... By, think, de- by actual deal, well, yeah, rather so, than by conquest, which it, is interesting. I think it's... You can't... I mean, in many ways, it's not really... It is conquest by another name, I think. Because right. you are... Although you're not sending troops into the region, you're still sending someone with a... basically a false document... Or because right. they, I mean the the leaders who were signing they basically just put an X there and they were told it means some protection that type of stuff. So well, it's, uh, no, I mean not necessarily. Just, I mean I think I think well, I mean uh, okay we didn't need the details, but but I would I would say that so y- let's say you speak to all the African chieftains right mm-hmm. and they're like okay yeah so we know that we're not going to be able to control this bit of territory anymore. We'll give it to you for you know whatever the price is. Um, but I mean, but like, that surely is more legitimate than charging in there with a bunch of troops. Yeah, it's very, it's it's definitely less. It's, it's interesting, less, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, I don't think it's though... The way it was presented then wasn't more of a sort of... Yeah. Would take, it was more of a sort of... Unequal we'll be your friend and protection type person. Right? Because they, okay. they saw right. what was happening behind it all, um, which was they would lose all their influence and power and then they, yeah. they, they, would be, they wouldn't really benefit from the... When, when, the when, the scram, was, when the scramble for Africa actually started, yeah, I can see that. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, from the, from the perspective of 1885, that, or 1884-1885, you can kind of see how that would definitely be the case. Mm-hmm. But like when they first started doing this, it's kind of like, well... Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't necessarily I have think a it problem with that. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's interesting, know. isn't it? I think it, it's right? just because it's not, it's not an actual deal right. in terms of... 
I mean, it didn't turn out. It didn't turn out to be. Yeah, like, it never was intended for the right. Um, you know, plan to be an equal deal. It's not like a right. you're kind of negotiating with someone who doesn't fully understand the context and can never hope to understand the context. I think because they're it's like, again it's that big power doing what it wants type of thing. It's signing an equal treaty. Yeah, an equal I mean if you, if you bring in a bunch of troops to uh, to to, um, to to void the deal, then um, yeah, well, I, I see. I see, so I see like what you're saying. So you're saying you're saying with... that the intention. Of the deal was not to it was never play to do, by the rules of the yeah, deal. Yeah, it was never to do yeah. with the actual person who was signing it. It was right. to do with the the end game. If you yeah, about yeah. saying all it's saying is like all it is is like a present a fate accompli to yeah. European powers. Yeah, say we've already been here, kind of thing. Yeah. So like while Stanley's going around with his bits, you've got the French to the north who are also rushing around trying to get his trade. Yeah. Like deals done. Yeah. To secure basically this region, I think. Yeah. yeah along yeah. here, and they're both racing against time to get. Yeah. All of the like sewn up basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he was at the same time. He's also kind of like. But but that but that it, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to labour the point, but that in and of itself wouldn't necessarily be. That in and of itself isn't a, like. That is defensible. Do you know what I mean? Like a company, for instance, can go to um, a place where you know a com- you know nowadays a company can go to I don't know somewhere, like in the desert, and say to the local ruler or whatever or the king, and say you know, or the government, and say mm. you know. Um, We'll we'll give you X amount of our revenue if you allow mm. us to put an oil rig here, um, and that, and that's like fine. Yeah, but but that but so so what you're saying is, but, but I think I think obviously where obviously where it goes bad is when these countries are like okay now we own all of this yeah. regardless of any treaties that we signed with any other Af- with any African mm-hmm. Afri- African rulers, the only border that we respect is another European border. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and that's exactly. what it was always intended to be. Yeah, you, 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 it was never about okay. actually okay. cutting a fair deal, or yeah. you know, it wasn't about that sort of you know no, okay. being open, honest about it. It was all about racing the other powers. What I'm what I'm wondering is whether actually, I, mean, I know obviously you, you're saying that this is the case, but if if if, if the small chance that it wasn't the case, mm-hmm. maybe they the European powers suddenly realised this in the process of the 1880s that they could get away with doing that. And then it was like, no, we don't care about the deals. We're just gonna take what we want. Mm. I don't know. Maybe, but I, I, because because like, I, I do because part of the reason why it's happened so rapidly is like, at first they were very nervous about. I think you know nervousness about whether we could do it. First of all, because most of the time people who explored these regions just died. Um, but then secondly, whether they could get away with it without. Causing some kind of um, international crisis, which mm. um, I, th- I think the, yeah. I think it's more about personally they all they it started slowly because yeah. they didn't have the full details of the region that was and they still never didn't at the end of it. But it, it, as it as the exploration happened, as the realization happened, it was almost like a slow snowball effect. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it wasn't so much they were worried about whether they can get away with it; they were worried about whether they'd be second to the table. If that makes sense. Right. So they were yeah. all wanting to be first in that territory and ensuring they have that guarantee of yeah. these are the resources, there are resources, not yeah. yours kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, even as Stanley's going around, yeah. starting these deals and stuff, he's, ex- he's improving the infrastructure to get the resources out of the yeah. country again, so he's building roads, he's launching steamers yeah. on the on the rivers to make sure that, you know, once we've got it in place, we can get everything back out again. So yeah. he's doing the two-track thing of, one, preparing the groundwork for Leopold's yeah. stuff to get out again. And he ends up with like a million kilometers under, <laughs> under under Leopold's control. Yeah. And then back in Europe, Leopold's doing all this like double dealing with the rest of the yeah. European powers. So he tells the British. Oh yeah. Okay. Well that that okay. Now I'm 
Okay, yeah, that's I forgot about that. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's, yeah. Re, it's clearly the motive yeah. is not. Yeah, okay. it's, on the one hand, it's like really kind of in some ways, it's almost Bismarck in terms of how he's like playing everyone off against each other. Yeah. And around this this one spit of land, so he tells the British. Well, funnily enough, it's actually a massive area. Yeah, it's land, huge. Yeah. On this map I've got, I mean, which we'll put on the show notes page, mm. it's, it's pretty pretty massive. Yeah. yeah, it's huge. Absolutely. I mean, I don't, I don't know how much is there. But... It's huge and it's key as well because it's yeah. right in the centre and it. I mean, the one hand, loads of rivers through it, which you the roads of rivers to use, and, yeah. and, and as we're coming today, the British wanted to basically go from top to bottom, bottom, yeah, like yeah. yeah, and it kind of just cuts that yeah, yeah, <laughs> entirely, yeah. and also it blocks the Portuguese from going nicely across. Yeah, and I, yeah, yeah. It, it's just it's just a yeah, I mean equally yeah, but he he kind of played everyone against each other by telling the British they were because obviously the British at this point are very anti-slavery because yeah. the public pushed this yeah. anti-slavery against, so they obviously have huge things like a quarter of the navy yeah. at this time are generally patrolling around the coasts to stop slave trade and he said oh yeah there's going to be a big humanitarian issue we're going to protect the slaves you know, the Portuguese they love slaves and they're mm. lurking around the south so I'm doing it to stop them and the yeah. like, oh, it sounds like a sound guy yeah, yeah, he, told, yeah and, um, <laughs> and he said to the British they get most favoured nation status which is the, the right. classic phrase of Britain's history in terms yeah. of you know you get the best trade deal and whoever else gets better terms, you automatically get those best yeah, terms. Yeah. But he told Germany that there would be no most favoured nations wow. and everyone would trade freely. Yeah. He said to France that um, they could always have the north of the region. And that, you know, he's, and he was also like, oh, I'm not really sure I've got the money to hold on to the region. So if I have to sell it, I'll sell it to you first, yeah. knowing full well that he was never going to sell. Yeah, yeah. And the French were like, okay, yeah, fair enough. And he told the US that it was going to be similar to Liberia, yeah. which Liberia, for those of you who don't know, was kind of started off as this enterprise um, so I think it's kind uh, of yes, down, yeah, no, down here it's like, like Abraham Lincoln's idea yeah, to export all of the, the emancipation society yeah, like that. so like, ridiculous any free slaves will be like whether they want to or not just shipped to this like point it's in Africa, Africa where they, yeah. you know, they have no links to anyway yeah. like they've just dumped there yeah. and he was like oh yeah this is going to be based in Liberia and so loads of American businessmen were like oh it sounds like a pretty good idea well you know, yeah. can get on board with that yeah. and then um yeah, you know, it's destination for free slaves. Like, yeah. and then, and then the US actually became the first nation to openly support Leopold's claim on the Congo. Yeah, and yeah. You know, because he'd done this like wheel of dealing in the background, and like basically got everyone thinking, oh yeah. And then he suddenly just grabbed like a million cards. Yeah, <laughs> and was like, yeah. wait a minute. Yeah, and yeah, so like this, but equally as we've seen, whilst he, whilst Stanley's like racing around the area, yeah, um, exploring, exploring and claiming. cutting deals, claiming and building infrastructure. Yeah, the French in the north and the Portuguese in the south are also racing to get as much as they can. Yeah, and this kind of shows this. It's, sorry, on the map, yeah. um, on, on the map, which Portuguese again I had to put on the show notes page. You've got the um, Portuguese uh, bit, bit yeah, so, you, so you've got so you've got the, got the the river basin, the Congo basin, mm. and then towards the west you've got a tiny narrow, yeah, just narrow, bit, narrow yeah. which is obviously his access to the mm. uh, to the sea. Then above above this oh, to the north of the narrow bit you've got the French, and below the narrow bit you've got the Portuguese. Mm. Um, they're obviously trying to kind like of cut off, off. Yeah. yeah. So it's almost like it's. I'm trying to think. What... No, it's got. It's, it's a game called um, Carcassonne where you have to put down like tiles to build right. castles. Yeah. And yeah. you can cut you and like and roads and stuff, and then yeah. they'll just try and block each other from yeah. building yeah, yeah. their big things. So it's almost like a big game of that where they're trying to block, is, yeah, get yeah. across to block each other's access to stuff. Yeah. I think this is kind of like where the instability and the worry kind of no, in some Europeans' mind like grows as to like actually we're all just like charging in. And it's actually yeah. haphazardly and also causing a lot of antagonizing yeah, antagonism yeah, yeah. along these borders. I, um, I think um, who owns what type of thing? Yeah, I think um, you know you know what we said earlier about um, Bismarck not being massively enthusiastic, although obviously you know, empire, but, yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, not being massively enthusiastic because you can see very easily how this could 
um, result in a slightly disastrous mm. situation. You were slightly overzealous with your, well, as clearly Leopold had been, uh, yeah. your grabbing. Exactly, yeah, yeah, and it, yeah, Kate's anger, and especially like the upstart Belgian power. Yeah, exactly. Like, Belgium, who's going to yeah. say? Who the hell are these yeah. people? Um, is, that, is that Germany, by the way? That yeah, the, the, yeah. Green, the green bits yeah. of Germany. Yeah, yeah. No, so. but, by the way, notably, so on, on this map, this is, I think this is a 19, uh, sorry, 1990s. 1890s, 1890s map, yeah. um, which by that point, like only 10% of Africa was not owned by a European country. Yeah, it was mainly like Ethiopia yeah. and, and this, this bit here. But, um, sorry, this bit here. Um, so what, uh, yeah, what I'm noticing on this map is, is all the big names are here, but noticeably absent are Russia, mm. Austria-Hungary, and uh, the Ottomans. We know, obviously, mm. we'll go on to the Ottomans in a minute, but they're sort of basically sort of defunct. Um, Austria-Hungary is sort of too busy bullying. Yeah, you know, they've they've lost all their Italian bit. They've lost their German bit, and mm. they've sort of now trying to bully Serbia into some kind of submission. But I think that's pretty the extent of their power. Yeah. And then Russia equally is mostly a sort of sort of. I think it shows the weaknesses of these powers. Yeah, and I think it shows the weaknesses, and also I think the key also is kind Although of like Spain is like the uh, well, they've only got a tiny bit, and Portugal have only got really got a tiny bit. But mm. but otherwise, these are all the key players in World War One. Yeah. And it kind of, um, I think it, yeah. it shows the weakness of them, and also I think it shows the importance of having one where you are geographically, and also having a good navy or yeah. at least a, yeah, a yeah, powerful yeah. navy, yeah. which obviously Britain did, being the big one. Um, France was a pr- pretty yeah, decent, also it's yeah. just across the Mediterranean for its nat- yeah. North African colonies in particular, because obviously yeah. I think you can see France is just like gone all the way. You can see North where Africa. it is, the, yeah, yeah. Um, again because they're just so quite close. But I think yeah, with, with Russia they probably have to come quite away because they'd have to because yes. obviously. Obviously, classically, they couldn't get into the Mediterranean. Yes. The Russians were paranoid about it, so they'd have to come all the way from like Siberia, effectively, yeah. or like down that coast, yeah. around, and then Austria landlocked. Yeah, Austria yeah, landlocked. So, yeah. yeah, maybe that's, yeah, that's probably the reason. But, but I think I think just, as you're saying, Germany's the reason they didn't have that was because they were so weak. The reason they yes, and they were so like you know, crippled and like industrially, yeah. uh, they couldn't build trend, the, yeah, the, yeah, like, the navy and yeah. the and they fund the expeditions as as well as yeah. as, the, as others. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. Germany as well. I mean, as you say, the, the name. Yeah. So obviously, and they were just like late to it. Like, yeah. They yeah. hadn't maybe built up the. Obviously, the Cape had been British for a long time. Yeah. And they were able to like push northwards. Yeah. Whereas Germany, you're kind of like racing for whatever's left, aren't you? Yeah. In many yeah. ways. Um, yeah, in Madagascar, witty aside, uh, I was listening to the other day that this the only, there was a battle around Madagascar in World War Two, and it's the only place where Japan and Germany actually fought on the same side in a battle. Really? Yeah, Japanese like, submarines turned up during okay. the battle and they support yeah, that's the only place yeah. Yeah. Where, where, where it literally Madagascar yeah. rather than just nominally being allies yeah, yeah. I, got it, yeah. I thought you were going to say they fought each other <laughs> <laughs> everything got really confused yeah, everything was very confusing <laughs> French just killing British and yeah Germans torpedoing Japanese yeah under, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, so um, so that's kind of I think. Main way I don't know whether you wanted to. Did, yeah. So so I mean, obviously you explained how that happens and stuff. So so so, I mean, as as we know, the, the Congo sort of essentially became a, a, a sort of disaster zone. Yeah. Um, and it was just hell. Essentially, exploitation on a massive scale. Yeah. Essentially, sort of forced labour, hmm. uh, slavery, basically, ironically for the humanitarian uh, um, yeah. sort of uh, supposed ideas behind the behind the trip. Mm. And you had this sort of, um, you know, Heart of Darkness was written about this. Yeah. Um, sort of this this man who's sort of journeying to this heart of Africa to find out what what's kind of what civilizing things have been happening, and it's like, <laughs> like this kind of horror of you know basically one man's like psychotic yeah. like like mental uh, sort of dreams mm. run amok. Um, but anyway, 
Um, so, did you want to go on to Egypt? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so, 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 Congo is like the first bit, and then the, the second, the Egypt is kind of like the second mm. ma- major crisis, which kind of results in people thinking, eh, you know what, maybe something needs to be. Yeah, I think also yeah. they, they do show the foot like as, as we're kind of getting to, as you, as you pointed out quite rightly, there was no kind of huge military intervention in the Congo to grab it. It was yeah. done sort of legalistically and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of like I think the threat of force is yeah. clearly there, but yeah. They never quite exploded in the same way. Yeah. And Egypt and Egypt's kinda of like it's kind of a it's happening just afterwards and kind of concurrently a bit, but it kind of shows the other the other scheme and it kind of shows a few other powers because obviously you've got Portugal, Belgium and France involved in that one yeah. predominantly. And in Egypt it's Britain and France predominantly is the yes. kind of well, as they would say, the civilizing powers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, classically, as we said, as we, as you promised, the Ottoman Empire kind of coming to the As I trail yes, earlier in the episode. Um, but yeah, so I mean, nominally at least, um, as we, um, the Ottoman Empire in control of um, Egypt, Egypt, but it didn't as we, as we went into in the Balkans. They're kind of like a Gross man and it's sick bed. Yeah, 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 yeah it's sick man this is kind of like the other extreme. Where the Balkans are the one extreme with their power, this is the other extreme, really, isn't it? Yes. Egypt and kind of like they are under. Um, Ottoman rule, but the Ottomans can't really do anything and equally don't do anything in this period to actually help or hinder. Mm. Anyway, they hinder quite a lot by not doing anything. But, um, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, they, they physically can't really do anything to yeah. to impose their control on Egypt in any great way at yeah. this time. Um, I think the big one, I'm not sure if you want to give it like a, um, an overview of it, is the Suez Canal. Yes. And that's the big sort of... Well, that's, that's the point, sort of, isn't it? I think the pri- that's like kind of the prize, mm. isn't it? Because they sort of... France and Egypt come to an agreement whereby... Egypt, basically through slave labour, will yeah. uh, build a canal um, through uh, through you know connecting basically the I think it's the is, it, is this the Indian Ocean I'm not sure I think the, yeah, the Red Sea isn't it yeah, okay the Red Sea into the Indian Ocean yeah connecting the Mediterranean with the Red Sea mm-hmm. and then through so creating a trade route basically yeah. um, which Britain is definitely not happy about mm. but so they 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 sort of complete this in 1869 um, mm-hmm. yeah as um, you said based on basically. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know whether you want to, yeah, because I think like 120,000, the, yeah. hi, the highest estimate is that 120,000 people died yeah, in the creation it, of this canal. Yeah, and it seems like, it's like one and a half million people worked on it as well. Really? Like, yeah, it just gives you the scale of the, yeah. imagine it was just completely un- unindustrialized, literally people digging with yeah. shovels, shovels most of the way. Um, it's absolutely mad. Huge undertaking, yeah. And equally, the interesting thing is, obviously, I think kind of discussed it a little bit beforehand, is yeah. the Britain, obviously as we've shown by the 1950s, had a hu- ended up with a huge interest in yeah. the Suez Canal, but they yeah. were really anti it yeah. um, beforehand. Well, it's because it would help France. Yeah, know. it would help France, but also it like, hinder them in terms of... like. I think, I think essentially it's, it's another one of those things where it's like, you know, the the, um, the incumbent power is knows that they're being insert, they're mm. sort of being outmaneuvered. Yeah. So they, 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 they have the Cape of Good... They are, sorry, is it called the Cape, Cape of Good? Cape of Good It is the Cape. So Cape Colony, anyway. Um, they hold that, and that is obviously... The, the obvious tra- you know, the obvious stop off zone for trading around mm. the Cape of Africa or the Horn of Africa rather uh, and then on into India but if you can cut out a massive amount of a journey mm. if you go through this this tiny canal yeah and the other the other thing for I think I was really interestingly weirdly yeah. is that they were very worried because the um, ships coming from India and taking stuff back at this time were mainly sailing ships because I don't think you'd have loads of much coal onto them yeah um, so but you couldn't get them down the canal yeah. because <laughs> if the wind changed they'd just be stuck yes yeah, and you'd yeah. have to drag them and yeah. once they got into the Mediterranean the prevailing winds were west to east right which so was obviously could... blowing back yeah with the way they came yeah so then they couldn't really get across the Mediterranean okay. in as good time yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah I think that and yeah so Britain were kind of like oh good oh golly can't have this might have to modernise yeah um, and they apparently they sent in like Bedouin uh like 
better in infiltrators into the into the Egyptian ranks, into the workforce, and they got them all worked up about slave labour, and they yeah, almost yeah. like went on strike at one point to yeah. Um, yeah. to refuse to work and stuff like that, which yeah. is quite interesting in an underhand way. Yeah. Um, Once again, like the uh, the right prescription, but for the wrong reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, but yeah. Yeah. And so this is um, this is all. 1859 is when it starts being built, and then it takes about literally 10 years to, yeah. to build, since the grand opening is at the end of 1869. Yeah. And as you said, the French have the biggest kind of share, share of it, and along with the Egyptians. And then, classically, um, the, the Egyptians kind of get, the Khedive, who's the ruler of Egypt, yeah. um, kind of gets hooked on British credit, and yeah. like on easy credit <laughs> and easy loans from the Western powers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is so classic, yeah. isn't it? It's so just it, like, oh, yes, I can have all the riches I want right yeah. now. And, you know, <laughs> nothing will happen to so me. They're kind of like the, the original payday loans company. Aren't it they? is, like, yeah, yeah. So. Well, I think, I, think, I think it's almost, it's, uh, you know, I hesitate to say it, because I don't have any evidence for it, but it's almost like deliberate, isn't it? Mm. It's like... Oh yeah, massively. I think it, they just don't understand the concept of a loan, basically. Yeah, like, I, uh, yeah. I went to watch a, a play a couple of years ago about this is really weird aside, but yeah. Yeah, I think it was the, the, the late eighties, early nineties. There's a massive financial crisis in the American banking system. Yeah, 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 yeah. They basically got loads of I think Latin American countries hooked on credit because they were like because they're like oh you wanted a loan yes yeah. why don't you build a factory as well and we'll yeah. give you this and then yeah, yeah, yeah. they all of them ended up so heavily indebted and then one country just defaulted and it was oh we'll do that and they all defaulted in this like ripple effect. Basically, yeah. you almost destroy the American banking yeah, system. So yeah. It's kind of similar well, to that in terms of getting yeah, exactly. countries hooked well, on credit. Fun, fun fact for you, by the way. On in that exact period was when, uh, so there was a ma- so quick, quick. Um, what should we call it? Uh, we need we need a sort of name that tells people it's going to be slightly dry, but if they listen carefully, it might be quite interesting. Um, but then they can continue with the episode if you skip on for about five, mm. five minutes. So, um, so during so in eighteen nineteen seventy one. Uh, the US went off the gold standard, right? Nixon mm-hmm. took the gold off the uh, took took American money off the gold standard. So then, handing out loads and loads of money um, without having to pay it back, if that makes sense, was a thing. Mm. But in the nineteen eighties, they uh, Paul I think Paul Volcker his name is was appointed to the Federal Reserve, the central bank in America, and he decided. We can't continue in this way because inflation <laughs> is out of control. Yeah, yeah. This is just a disaster zone. So he thought just printing so he, loads of money. Exactly. No bad Exactly. Yeah. Um, so uh, so he was like, you know, we've got to keep this under control. And he was just like, he's a bit like, so you know when, um, uh, you, you know, I'm trying to think of a good example, but like he had like if like if he had blinkers on and mm. was just chasing this one objective. It was like you know yeah. all these people were sort of trying to pour him back, and he's just diving for this yeah. shining light of like sanity. <laughs> and uh, interest rates were cranked up to about twenty percent or something. So this absolutely <laughs> annihilated all of these financial yeah. institutions, and that is what you're seeing when you're talking about this. Yeah, you're yeah. seeing basically the massive correction from 1971, um, and then. Uh, and and that and the consequences of that, which yeah. obviously is everyone has to pay their debt. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's fascinating, but it, but it's sort of in the long term a good thing, but obviously but in the short it's just term, horrific. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I, I I mean I don't know for certain, but maybe that is what happened here in, the, in Egypt. Yeah, I think potentially. I think he also got to the point where he just borrowed just so much that yeah, like, to finance them was was just even without the huge interest hike was just yeah. like crippling. Like, yeah. and either way, six years after um, hit the grand opening. In 1875, he had to sell a 44% stake, which is I think basically all of his stake in all of it, <laughs> in the Suez Canal to the British to kind of like wipe off his yeah, debt. And yeah. so the British are like, ah, oh, oh, we hated it. Um, now, we it. Own now, it. now we own it, and it's going to be great for our Indian you know, trade because we can get all yeah. through there. But most importantly, it gave 
both Britain and now, so France and now Britain, a huge stake in the in the region. Yeah, and making sure that the I think in many ways it's kind of similar to the Suez Crisis, making sure that the the canal stays open at all costs. Yeah. in the hands of a friendly power. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so they kind of, even though the indebtedness have gone to an extent, mm. they kind of kept asserting their control over the yeah. Khedive, who was the ruler, um, yeah. and sort of making but sure he was that he like, did what he they... Was a bought, he was a bought yeah, man. Yeah, he was a man, yeah, yeah. And like, you know, making sure that he did what they wanted, and they kind of installed with effectively a triumvirate of advisor, advisors, in inverted yeah. commas, <laughs> I think two British, one French, in 1879, yeah. on his government, which he then, in like then, they installed him on the, they installed them onto him and then they started pumping out all these like edicts and stuff and realised they had no real way of actually enforcing them. Yeah. And they were just angering people. Yeah. Um, to the extent where... What kind of edicts? It was all about, I mean, I think it was all about kind of, in many ways... Obviously things that people didn't like. So yeah, I think like... opening it up to the foreign right, war, foreign intervention yeah, yeah, and stuff yeah. like that and you know, trying to impose Western values on yeah. a country that wasn't quite ready for them yeah. and stuff yeah. like that and you know, bring all the newfangled ideas in. Yeah. And so, and like... <laughs> Election. <obviously>, yeah. <laughs> and obviously... Freedom. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously... Although, I'm going to be honest, it doesn't really look like uh, particularly the best messenger for that kind of yeah. message. But anyway, yeah. Yeah, and they... Um, yeah, obviously this sparked a quite a backlash in various sectors of... Egyptian society headed by the army. Ironically, now I think about it, quite similar to obviously Nasser, because he was an army man, wasn't he, mm. in the 50s? Well, um, fundamentally, uh, there's an interesting aspect of history is that so much power is invested in these army officers who the troops yeah. are loyal to, yeah. that if the PM loses the support of the army officers... It's big trouble. They, yeah, yeah, basically. And so, yeah, and so they obviously started this anti-kind of foreign movement yeah. going on, this foreign interventionist movement, and they were, you know, they were they started bringing out all these things about, you know, we want equal rights for Egyptians under the law and mm. stuff. And, you know, we want uh, actually power for the Egyptian parliament. So they had mm. a constitution that guaranteed them a say. Mm. Thanks. Perish the thought. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, um, and so there's a guy called Colonel Ahmed Arubi. Yeah. He was like the main figurehead of this movement. Mm. Um, and he was a big, as you said, he, he, he was a big figurehead for his troops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think yeah. at one point, the, the, the Khadif was like, Back down, yeah, like yeah. no, effectively, yeah. 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 Well, well, like, oh, they have no loyalty to it, yeah. Do you know what I mean, like, it's like this I don't know, like the key the bonds between sort of the soldiers and the officers are just much stronger, aren't they? Yeah, they've been through, yeah, there's like personal loyalty, yeah, to exactly. Because he's like on the ground with them, kind exactly. Of with. And so, yeah, I'll, I'll, this all came to a head because obviously, basically, Khadiv tried to move against Aruba, and they said no, he basically was like, well, yeah, I'll do what you want, yeah, and then, um, and then. He was like, oh, no. And then uh, the British was like, oh, no. Here goes our guy who, like, we control and own. He's yeah. going to lose all the power. And yeah. obviously we've got no way of controlling this guy, because this new guy, because he hates us. Um, and so um, the Khedive evacuated to Alexandria. The British and French sent a, a fleet, a joint fleet down, to basically impose their power on the ground, yeah. if you will. And then, the, unsurprisingly, when they steamed into the harbour, Alexandria harbour, this sight of kind of Western might kind of just enraged the Egyptians further, and those riots took off around the city. Um, so I think like fifty European, over a hundred Egyptians were killed in the riots. Mm. Apparently, the British admiral of the fleet was on the ground out there, and he only narrowly avoided being Jesus. killed himself or yeah. harmed. And yeah, so then after that, the British fleet, British like right, we're going to shell the, the fortifications around the city to mm -hmm. like, impose our power. And then the French were like, no, we don't want to do that. And they said, if you start shelling, we won't join in. We'll just set the sail away. Wow. So I'm not entirely sure what the French were hoping to achieve at that yeah. point. If like we'll send, it's like one of those weird things, like kind of like similar to again, probably a a poor um, 
imposition of history onto the modern age when Obama started putting down these red lines in Syria right. and saying this is a red line but then not backing them up yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, so yeah. Like the, that was kind of what the French were doing in terms of we'll send a fleet but if we actually have to use it we're not going to use it if, it, if push comes to shove it's kind of like, like it's kind of like I guess they're just being lenient maybe yeah. but then British presumably don't know maybe they have just more experience or maybe they're just a bit more trigger happy is this, is this yeah. the Palmerston period I can't remember really I think it's Disraeli so it's, it's I think Disraeli. it was Gladstone I think actually. oh is it I think it's Gladstone because I think there was a Bill Good yeah <laughs> <laughs> I've got a feeling it was Gladstone for some okay. reason I don't know why okay. um, I had Disraeli for 18 end of the 1870s this is 1882 okay fine, so fine maybe. Yeah. it's that weird period where they get swiftly swapping between yeah, 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 so yeah, I'm yeah. sure Gladstone was around off the top of my head I can't really yeah, yeah. yeah. but so either way the Bush then shelled the fortifications around the city they went a bit wrong and they set fire to the the um the, the most rich area of the city which is where the westerners lived yeah. and then the fire like burned for two days and eventually the British went in I think yeah. the French also joined at this point and then they they're like okay there's, there's an awesome in, inspiring kind of western show of force yeah. they didn't really do anything because Arubi was still there with his troops who were still loyal to him yeah. and so the British, British and then the French eventually were like right we're going to land some troops on the on the into Egypt and we're going to assert ourselves properly yeah. take back take back control <laughs> um, and this is it comes off with like a really weird sort of campaign the British and French land they run into kind of like a defensive position the Egyptians set up which holds them for like for about five weeks mm. and for some, but it's a really sh- short-sighted um, Egyptian um, defensive line because they've talked to a, the, a guy called Ferdinand de Lesseps who was the builder of the canal yeah. who basically told them the British will never deploy in the canal zone or never use the canal because they're too worried about it destroying it or damaging right. it. Yeah. And so, and then he was like, apparently also said that he would use his influence to stop any incursions on the canal. Right. And the Egyptians believed him, so they just left this bit completely open. Yeah. So when the British and French ran into resistance there, they just then thought, oh, we'll just use the canal and outflanked it and then completely turned the kind of flank because they just used it. Yeah. Obviously it was left open. Wow. And then they obviously basically um, caused a, Flanked the British in position, defeating yeah. at the Battle of um, Tel El Kabir. Yeah. And that was kind of the end for um, the Egyptian movement. And then they basically marched into Cairo, forced their will on the country, um, and established what they were de- deemed a protectorate. So yeah. it was notionally yeah. uh, local rulers, but again, with uh, as with the Khedive, but yeah. even more so British dominated yeah, and banks. Yeah. 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 And again, so this is again sort of a um, a flashpoint in the in the in the uh, con- on the continent yeah um, again showing the potential dangers that could happen even though yeah, it wasn't yeah. western on western yeah. aggression it was still extremely destabilizing still, yeah, still, yeah exactly yeah, you can yeah, see why yeah. powers are kind of a bit nervous about this situation about just like wars just sparking off all yeah. over the continent yeah. potentially yeah, yeah. dragging more of them in yeah and yeah. you know being a bit of a nightmare so i think this is yeah. partially where because these things are happening all over the continent yeah you know then st- some start appealing because again also they're starting to run into each other yeah. as well. Well, 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 importantly on this one, you've got, I, mean, I know obviously eventually sort of Britain and France sort of end up as friends. Almost. Yes. Um, start off, Britain is actually trying to sabotage, yeah, they sort of almost, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this was like Britain, Britain created this situation mm-hmm. by sending in those Bedouins and spreading sort of uh, basically propaganda and, um, not propaganda, but you know, like, well, I mean, propaganda has a has a negative connotation. Yeah. But it's kinda of true, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, this is forced labour, they're imperialists, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. But then thinking, Oh yeah, we'll just march back in there, uh, and it'll be completely fine. They won't think of us like they think of the French. Mm, yeah. Obviously not. not you know, you've you created this nationalist sentiment in Egypt now. Mm. 
and you can't you know expect to, to be okay so you got sort of up, up, you know the powers have sort of undermined each other mm-hmm. uh, but then realised that actually it's probably in your interest to work together maybe yeah. but I don't know maybe that's a microcosm of the Berlin Conference yeah I think so and I think you know by the point that the Berlin Conference runs round you've got different priorities kind of running into each other yeah. as you said so as you said we've got the situation around the Congo where obviously although to an extent it's been settled by uh, Leopold's underhandedness yeah. you've obviously you've still got annoyed border regions of French in the north Portugal in the south yeah. the Portuguese are trying to kind of make a west to east kind of uh, corridor yeah. um, across Africa yeah. but at the same time the British are going for a north to south corridor across Africa and again yeah. they run into each other yeah. um, around what I think is now Zimbabwe area yeah, um, yeah. so there's annoyance around that area obviously the French are trying to carve out a big block in, in North Africa yeah running into the British a bit, running into other powers around there. Germany's trying to grab what's left. Yeah. Again, potentially upsetting people. So yeah, I think yeah. all these powers come together. I think Portugal is one of the main drivers in terms of talking to Bismarck himself about it. Yeah. And saying that, you know, we need a conference to kind of sort things out. And yeah, Bismarck, yeah. being Bismarck, probably... Decided this. Yeah, he's like, you know, yeah. it's a good thing to get everyone back around the table again. Yeah. And Plus also, everyone has such a... Cool... Back together. Yeah, exactly. Everyone yeah. has such a great time last yeah. week. <laughs> so yeah. why not invite them all back? And he's kind of like an extended... Like guest list this time around. <laughs> so yeah, you've got you know all of the big powers plus some other ones that yeah. have an interest in the region either through trade or through or through potential like smaller yeah. holdings. So you have the thing. The thing about trade, by the way, is that this would sort of be all if it was all like oh yeah, we're all like freely trading with mm-hmm. each other, which we're obviously not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of this, because of this sort of concept of this long depression and the long the end of the long at the end of the nineteenth century, you've got um, well Britain a bit goes a bit more protectionist, but all the others are like, ramp up all the protectionism. Basically, when they say free trade, what they're saying is, we will extract, yeah, exactly, we will extract resources from Africa and bring it to our Mm. mother country, Um, but not between the colonies, if that makes sense. So, so it's almost like a hard border is a hard border. Mm. I mean, it's not like, it's not like there's only going to be economic activity across that. Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, so this, yeah, they were basically, yeah, the aim was, no, 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 right, the aim was, kind of for many countries to kind of protect what we have, grab as much as we can. Yeah. But under the guise of cooperation yes. at this conference yeah. that we're gonna have. And I'll just to run through you quickly who was there. It's all the usual suspects plus some of the other moribund powers which didn't have much of an interest. Yeah. But I think they're probably invited because they're big. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got to keep them on side. Yeah. I mean you know, funny enough, although they're not in Africa, Russia, Austria and Ottomans are still quite powerful in Europe. That's true, they? that's true. They're still so, still players. Yeah. You know? So you have, obviously you have Austria, Hungary there, yeah. Belgium, as you expected, you've talked about Denmark are there, France is there, naturally. Inexplicably, Denmark <laughs> are there, yeah. Germany's there and hosting, yeah. and the Bismarck, Italy are there. Master um, of ceremonies, yeah. Yeah, master of ceremonies. Italy kind of, I think they have pretensions of being a great power. I still never yeah. quite understand why Italy is a great power a lot of the time. But yeah, well, I mean, they have seized a small part of um, Northern Africa here, and they have seized yeah. some bits around the... Um, Around well, the Horn of Africa. Yeah, I mean, I think these these bits come into play later on when Mussolini's in charge. They do, yeah, because he goes after Just Ethiopia expand and gases sort of. the Ethiopians and stuff yeah. and obliterates them through. They did. The Italians did try and get nice guy in the eighteen nineties. Sure they tried to get Ethiopia, but they got absolutely hammered when they went in there by the Ethiopians. It was a huge embarrassment for them. Sure. In well, what, what's funny about that is is actually in, that's an interesting point because clearly, uh, although industrialization has happened in many of these great powers, sort of home countries that. Some of them are better at deploying it than others. Mm. Obviously, in Italy, they're not not very good. They're yeah. they're still fighting in so this old-fashioned perhaps way. Yeah, I'm not yeah. sure, but but clearly there's something going on there. Abyssinians, I think I made a mistake. Yeah, Abyssinia yeah. wasn't an idea. Yeah, it's Abyssinia. They got yeah. hammered by the Abyssinians. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As you say, because they probably deploy their 
technology. Western technology. Yeah. yeah, so Italy are there, Netherlands are there. Yeah. Apparently. <laughs> Ottoman Empire are there again, probably just be this whipping boy, effectively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dragged in for to be beaten yeah. up and over again. They don't want to abandon him, he's sick. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Portugal's there, because I've said they, they're kind of in the south, south particularly, they're kind of big players. Yes. Um, and enslaving power as well, we should say. Yeah. Uh, Russia are there. Um, yeah. Again, probably a big player in Europe. Yeah. Um, Spain's there, as you said, they've still got some limited territories around the top. Uh, Sweden, Norway, classic. Uh, yeah. They're one country at the moment. And um, notice, yeah, this was Spain, sorry, just quickly back on Spain, yeah. they've got this tiny little tiny area there, which oh, is yeah. like in West Africa, which uh, I don't really know what that is, but is that like that? Um, yeah, anyway. I, I, it's, it's a little square. When, uh, when, when I did my first module of African history at university, our, yeah. our African history teacher came in and the first lesson we had like a pop quiz thing where we got the continent of Africa. Yeah. It was blank and we had to put names to loads of different countries to oh, yeah. teach us about yeah, yeah, yeah. what yeah, so yeah. it was really interesting. And again, That's if I learned more about it, I could probably tell you what that country was. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> this, this probably doesn't really, I mean, I, I highly doubt that this. No, this uh, isn't how it looks now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, was say. Uh, I mean, no, for instance, yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry, carry on. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, Sweden, Norway, which has a very interesting flag if you want to look it up. It's kind of like a Union Jack, but all the all colours are wrong. Um, yeah, and then obviously United Kingdom, United States is kind of there as a there but not there, so it's yeah. kind of there. And then, but it's like we are there, but we're better than all the European powers um, because well, we don't have an empire, actually, yeah. which they do. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it's interesting because because I'm I suppose they don't really have a big enough navy, or they're too small economically. Well, I think I think with 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 um, maybe they're distracted by the civil war potentially. I think with the United States, it's that it's that thing of they were because it was such a big area. Yeah. They've yeah. gone through from like the 1860s. 70s, 80s were kind of like rationalising their own territory in terms yeah. of grabbing bits off Spain, yeah. Texas being unified, obviously getting Alaska, that type of stuff. Yeah. And then as you get into the 1890s, they're definitely, I would think it's a fascinating area that we should either do a, yeah. you know, a, a project, project H, a pro, yeah. um, project H, a, a, a yeah, publication indeed. on America's empire or yeah. an episode on it, because they have a lot in the Pacific area, right. big, big imperialist push there. But I think maybe they just didn't see the value of it, or they, again, were a bit late to the party and even further behind Germany in terms of yeah. getting to act stuff there. Yeah. I bet they would love to have done it if they could. Yeah. But maybe uh, yeah, so it's, it's, but I think it was more about them was again getting their contiguous territory sorted out. Imperialism in one country. Yeah. Sort of like, yeah. <laughs> setting you know, almost like in Germany had to unify itself. Yes, exactly. In, yeah. Although America was a country, it was about getting their own borders drawn. Yeah, at this point. I, I mean, you say you say America was a country, but really the national the national government, so to speak, wasn't as powerful. No, yeah, true, until yeah. about until after the Civil well, War. Well, I think really. they always say about Lincoln was the guy who turned it from the United States after the United States is. Yeah, probably, yeah. So yeah. I think from then on, this that period has begun. Yeah, that was eighteen sixties. So even yeah, eighteen eighties now was doing over. Even then, I think I think still still, still it's still quite weak yeah. in terms of its yeah that that. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's probably not quite ready to be yeah. imposed on another country. That makes sense. Yeah. But they were definitely there, and they 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 had the right to decline or accept the outcome of the of the conference. So they weren't going to be signed up to anything, yeah. or bound by anything. Kind of like in the UK and the EU approach. I it's a bit but, weird. I don't, yeah. really, I don't really know why you would turn up. This was just I think they probably wanted the seat at the table to like kind of underline the fact they have they have ambitions yeah. to be a power, okay. a great power. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Gonna, you know, we're, we're here to mess up the old order. Kind yeah. of we don't want to be fully part of you kind of thing. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We're there, but aloof. Kind of yeah, 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 um, yeah. But yeah, so that was kind of like they're the obviously you know you've got basically Berlin Conference is all the usual great powers plus an extra smattering of. Yeah. lesser powers which have an interest due to probably the trade routes and stuff like that through it yeah um, yes yeah, so effectively the kind of what the Europeans were up to in 
in Europe, kind of your case studies on how it came about. So yeah, not your, in, not in Africa. Europe. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, there yeah. in Africa. Yeah. A few case studies about you know the issues that were cropping up in the region in the yeah. run up to the conference. And, you know, went through who was there, and and next time we're going to take you actually into the conference itself. Yeah, into the conference room at the, the table yeah, at the seat with Bismarck. Yeah, with Bismarck. <laughs> Where else would you want to be? But yeah, can I give you a can I give you a flavour about the exact controversies that they were trying to solve yeah. at that conference? So who was who was getting angry at who and where uh, yeah. in a bit more detail, a bit of a, as we did with the, with the last burn episode, mm. a bit about how the conference and Congress itself functioned, uh, and then talking about the outcomes and what consequences they had for the continent. Mm. Indeed. Um, yeah, I think, I, think that's, I think that's a fair, fair sort of uh, point to end on. Mm. We've covered a lot of context and all that, all that kind of thing. Scramble for Africa. Indeed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Both ground and territory, I think. Um, but yeah, so, so I mean, um, yeah, so we'll, we'll end the episode there. Uh, join, our, join our email list, uh, go to footnoteofhistory.com, and uh, you can also play the uh, widely recognised as one of the most fun history games on the internet as we, uh, as we speak. That's a completely un, unsubstantiated claim, but anyway. Um, the 1848 Revolutions game, which is uh, at footnoteofhistory.com forward slash revolution challenge. And... Um, have fun, I guess. Yeah. And we'll see you next time. Enjoy.